Hello and welcome to Spring Office Hours, Season 3, Episode 2, titled Developer Advocates. Speaking of developer advocates, my name is Dan Vega, Spring Developer Advocate at Broadcom, joined by my good friend Deshaun, who's also a Spring Developer Advocate at Broadcom. How are you doing, my friend? I would like to add one thing to your introduction, the latest minted, newly coined Java champion, Dan oh, Vega, is in the man. house. Congratulations, wow. my friend. It seems like it was just a year ago that you were setting this as your goal, is putting out into the universe, I want to be a Java champion, and here we are. Deshaun, I, I, you may not know this, but I've been putting this out in the universe for probably the last six to seven years. Uh, I went there. back and looked back at a couple of blog posts, and yeah, every new year this was like, hey, this is something I want to aspire to. So thank you for that. Uh, it's, it's a little bit surreal. I haven't... <gasps> I haven't I haven't been able to like put it into words yet. I, I don't know, like I'm just incredibly proud of of being named a Java champion. It's been a goal of mine. And it just like it, le it lets you reflect on your like I've reflected on my career this morning. Like all the times I remember like you're not smart enough to do this, you can't do this, like and I said in a tweet earlier today, like don't let that inner voice ever kind of like push you down. Believe in yourself. Do what you want to do. Like do what you're passionate about. Love what you do. So yeah, I have a bunch more to say on this, but uh, I'll collect my thoughts one day and, and put it down. But I've been emotional all day when I first saw the news. I honestly, yeah. I, I was just like, oh, this is me too. I have you. I'm a happy. I, and and my wife's like, aren't you like jumping for joy? I'm like, I am inside. I'm just like, it's hard to like <laughs> quantify right now. So I'm incredibly and I want honored. You. And excited, it. yeah, I am. I'm celebrating it. I'm. I just love this community, and this is why we do this every week. I love being a part of the Java community, so I'm excited about it. Can't wait to now. The real work begins. I gotta be a steward of Java, continuing this going forward. So, oh yeah, the reward uh, for good work is more work. <laughs> is more work. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but uh, but I'm I'm happy to do that. So cool. So we're going to have some fun today. Congratulations coming in oh. from the chat. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, we're going to have some fun today. Uh, speaking of kind of being a part of the community, we're both Spring Developer Advocates. We're going to talk about developer advocacy today, uh, what it is, uh, what maybe if you have an interest in getting into this as a career path. I think part of it, you know, part of what we do is awareness, right? A lot of people don't know about awareness. developer advocacy and, and what it is and, and what what it kind of what are, what are the responsibilities of it. So we're going to get into a lot of that today. We have a couple of other things that we're going to get into, but... Yeah, how's your week going? What do you got? What do you got going on this week? You're traveling. I, I'm traveling. Yeah, I, this is my favorite time of the week. The spring office hours is my favorite part of the week. It's the thing I look forward to the most. It's the thing that rolls around in my head the most. And I did my show this morning. I'm looking forward to this. But right after the show, I'm gonna hit the road. I'm gonna go skiing with the family. Nice. With most of the family. Oh, nice. Skiing. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll also be traveling later this week, making the long hour drive up to Sandusky, Ohio, for Code Mash. Um, where I am giving two talks, so one on GraphQL, which is always fun for me, and a brand new talk on developer advocacy. So amazing, on point, uh, right on time. Uh, excited to give that one as well. So, um, so today, yeah, it's January eighth, twenty twenty four, and we had a new announcement this morning. I talked about it earlier today. Uh, yep. Dan in the comment is saying, "Hey, I'm still watching." Uh, the YouTube from this morning, where we talked about Spring Health Assessment Report. What is that? AKA SHAR. 
Shar. Shar. Not to not to be, to be not to be confused with, with our Char, favorite person Char, in the world, right? the Shar. But not the real Shar in the job world. S dot H dot A dot R. Yes. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that real quick. Um, um, why that is exciting to a lot of folks, um, and then we'll get into kind of today's talk. We'll take a look at the calendar. There's a lot of exciting things starting to happen after that little bit of a break around Christmas and the New Year's. There's a whole bunch of releases planned, so we'll get into those as well. There was only four weeks in 2023 where there wasn't a spring release from the spring team. Yeah, only four weeks the whole year that there wasn't a That's single awesome. release. That's awesome. <laughs> they are they are the hardest working group in show business for sure. By far. I am constantly <laughs> amazed. And the thing that I just think, like just realize this that that small group of people, the spring engineers, that team is working with people just like you all over the globe all the time. And what they are doing is pulling all of those best practices and new patterns and and all the things. They're pulling it into spring. Making it easy for you to consume. That's it. Cool. And before we do that, I do want to make a quick announcement here because I see we have a lot of comments coming in here. We are live streaming here on YouTube on the Spring Developer YouTube channel. So if you're not subscribed, you should go ahead and do that oh, because please, you'll get yeah. notified uh, when we go live. Uh, we are doing this uh, every Monday now at 1 p.m. This is our first time in our new time slot, which I'm excited about. Uh, but if you're not watching us live and you want to catch the replay, you can on YouTube or this gets turned into a podcast so you can get us wherever you listen to your podcasts and you can enjoy us on the treadmill, in the car, on a walk outside. If It's 20 degrees here, so I don't think you want to walk outside today, but wherever you like to get your podcasts, you can go ahead and find us there. But what I was getting to is if you are live, please go ahead and ask your questions. Because as my friend Deshaun says, if you come to his house and you, you come, come to my house for dinner, yeah, and you leave hungry, that's your fault. You come to spring yeah. office hours and you've got questions, you don't ask them, that's your fault. Yep. So don't leave hungry. Ask your right. questions. <clears throat> so we do have a couple questions in here. I see one. Um, how expensive is it to run GraphQL servers compared to MySQL-like on RDS? So that is a... Oh. Well, just so we know here too, we we have a little child in the room today, so there may be a few interruptions, but it happens. We have kids. Um, I would say that's an apples to oranges comparison, right? Um, when 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 it comes to uh, using something like GraphQL, I'd compare it more to like REST. Hey, if I'm running REST in in on a server somewhere, um, what is how does that compare to like GraphQL? Because MySQL is just kind of serving up the data. So, um, one, I have no idea what it would cost. It really depends on the scale, right? Um, but it's just, for GraphQL purposes, it's just a normal web application, right? The same way I don't think you'd ask the question, how much does it cost to run a REST API in the cloud? Could be one cent, it could be a million dollars, depending on the You're still going to use MySQL in the back end. Yeah, you could. Um, I mean, most likely you're going to have something uh, that's fetching data. Uh, yeah. That, But with GraphQL, you... It lends itself to kind of uh, aggregating data from multiple sources. So I could reach out to another service somewhere that's running in a REST API or a GraphQL API, or I could reach out to a database or a local data source that's being read from some kind of data. You know, there are a whole bunch of options there. So I don't think I, there's not an answer to that question, but 
I would say the best way to figure that out is to try it out yourself. Stand up a new Spring service using uh, Spring for GraphQL and give it a test run. We're big fans of your experiments and your results here. But good question. Like, here's the thing. We want this to be a safe place. Uh, you you'd said earlier that, hey, you're kind of new to Java. Like, we want this to be a safe place for you to ask any questions. And it's always a good idea for us to kind of level set and make sure we understand the things that we're talking about, make sure that we're on the same page. So great questions. Thank you so much for asking. All right, I got another one about GraphQL. What is the biggest downside of GraphQL? So yeah, I mean, there are pros and cons to any approach. Um, I'm trying to think of like downsides to GraphQL. We, we came up with one. We came up with one that resonated, and I don't remember what it is. I might have to go back and watch the show. Yeah. We did come up with one that was like, oh, yeah. But I don't um, remember what it was. I'm trying to think. Um, so, so if you just take it like stock out of the box and you want to say, say you have like a huge table and you want to say grab three fields from that table. When, again, this is stock out of the box. Like if, you, if you're using spring data and you just say, hey, give me all of the customers. But as far as GraphQL is concerned, I only want these three fields returned in the response. We only return those three fields, but that query that you're making to the database is still going to select all of those fields from the table, and then you're just returning those back to the user. I don't consider that a huge downside, though, because part of the point of GraphQL is like, hey, I want, only want to send the bits that are relevant to the client over the wire, and that's the expensive part. Usually, the selecting data from a, a table somewhere isn't the most expensive part because in that scenario, we're not selecting 100,000 rows, right? We're selecting what we can display on the client, and that's probably 100 rows at a time or whatever. And you're going to have that same, it's, it's not really a downside, you're going to have that same downside no matter how you're doing it. If you're doing sure. rest, you're going to use something yep. like projections or views, you're still going to have that big query happening. So yeah, sending the, the amount of data, that's not the biggest one. I think the one that we landed on at the time that we had the conversation was about traceability. It was about having that context tracing, especially when you're aggregating across different uh, data stores. You may not have the same level of traceability that you have today with your REST API and multiple data sources. So maybe that was early on in the conversation, but now with Spring Boot 3 and the observability story, all of that's baked into GraphQL. So you're getting that. So if you have like one GraphQL endpoint that, like I said, maybe reaches out to another service to get data and talks to a database and talks to another service, we are collecting all those metrics when it comes to observability. So I, I don't think that would be an issue anymore. Yeah, cool. good stuff. Um, security, question mark? Nope. Security, again, different layer of concern. Uh, that's a concern whether it's a REST API or a GraphQL API. Uh, there are solutions to that. So. Um, I want to share. I know you're an iPhone person. I got a, a iPhone iWatch. Sorry, I got an iWatch. Nice. Uh, over the weekend, my Garmin died. This is the first time in 15 years that I haven't wore a Garmin. Uh, oh man! And I got this device, and now and it's beeping and buzzing, and I don't want beeps <laughs> and buzzes on all the things, and I'm having a hard time not not looking. Yeah. I leave my yep. phone. I try to leave my phone elsewhere. Uh, yep. Yeah. I thought I'd share that. That's great. Uh, it's, it's a good running tool. I know you love your Garmin for running, but I love I love running with my 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 watch. Man, you know, it was it was just like a freeing moment in my life when I got my first Apple Watch, and 
I had the uh, ability to like put music on it. So I had my watch. I, I know you could do this with like many devices now. I'm just saying for me. Back when I got my watch and I had my wireless headphones and I no longer had that strap running up underneath my shirt, that was just like so like constricting. And I just <laughs> felt like so free when I started running with all the wireless things. <laughs> it was great. So, yes. Yes, yes indeed. Cool. Yeah. All right. Um, let's do this. Let's take a look at the calendar first. Do you want to maybe share your screen and we can jump into the calendar and then we'll take a look at Char. Here we are. Cool. January 8th. Let's jump in. What's like happening? we've had some new releases. We talked, uh, oh, I've yeah. been talking about, there's all of these things, right? We have this flow, uh, spring framework, spring boot, spring data. Like there's kind of this uh, cascade uh, of deployments and releases that happens. And here we are in 2024. Yeah, so micrometer, uh, we have a few releases there, including a milestone um, and then tracing. So I know you've been diving into a lot of the observability stuff lately. Um, how's that been going? What have you been working on with that? It's been going great. You know, my my mindset is here is uh, we kind of expect things. No matter where you're deploying stuff, uh, even like if you're you're me back in uh, 1999, you wanted once you deployed something, you wanted to have a place we could go and look through your logs at a minimum. Uh, and then we kind of added metrics on there and we got the actuator and we had this kind of like production ready uh, metrics yep. that were exposed. And then later I learned about tracing. But today I think those are kind of table stakes. I think that's kind of a requirement. Logs, yep. metrics and tracing, you've got to have access to it. So what I've been doing is taking these projects and just assuming that I'm going to have this aggregated position for my logs, metrics, and tracing. So I've been exploring with Zipkin and doing a lot of cool things with nice. Micrometer and Prometheus, assuming that that's the most available to our audience, uh, kind of plugging into Grafana and other tools like Loki. Uh, but I've always been referencing Jonathan Ivanov's uh, Tea House project, which has been a great yes. resource. I'm basically just converting what he's done in Tea House into kind of a, a tenant model for what you might find on Kubernetes. And I'm doing it all with Flux CD and just making it easy to kind of copy and paste. Like, hey, I'm gonna deploy this product to production. I expect to have these things available. And I'm just doing it with open source tools based on what I find in Tea House. And it's a lot of great examples. Yeah, I say, I, I tell people this often, I got a blog post on this too. The number one starter you should include in every single spring project is the actuator. 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 Even if you're Absolutely. not using it right now, you're going to use it at some point. So, so now I'm finding that as I move forward, I'm including the actuator, I'm including Zipkin, I'm including Micrometer and Prometheus. So then therefore I'm also including the test containers. Like I have my, my default stack for a lot of things has kind of changed. And we talk about like app accelerators and the stuff that you get out of start.spring.io, the initializer. And there's just kind of some automatics and you might have that in your organization where, hey, here we're doing stuff, this is the way we do it. We always do Zipkin for tracing, we always do Prometheus or whatever that mm -hmm. stack looks like. You have these starters that make it really easy. And a lot of the stuff is just automatically instrumented and then yep. also, <laughs> delivered to your platform. And, Especially, yeah. Yeah, and with Spring Boot 3, I think one of the most important pieces that came out of that was the observability API. So now the framework is using this API underneath the hood. We get access to that API. 
with Spring Boot 3.2, now you, if you include something like uh, AOP on the class path, you can use those annotations and not kind of clutter up your code if you don't want to. And it just makes it so easy. And yeah, we talked about it in our last episode. Jonathan was in the in the chat and we said, hey, we got to get Jonathan back on because, and I heard a lot of people say, yeah, I, I feel the same. I'm I'm in that position where it's like, I know what Zipkin is, you know, and I know what like Prometheus is, but like, I don't, there are so many tools out there, like which ones do I use and when? And I think if, if I kind of figure that out, that helps me understand like the, the observability story, if you will, right? So Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's almost like a great transition into like being aware of what's out there and Ooh, yeah. the whole like awareness for advocacy. And that's a yep. lot of what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want to jump into that just yet. I want to talk nope. about another release, another thing that happened today, the spring health assessment report. Sure. I'd like to jump into that. Here it is, uh, just out today. We've had access to it for a little while. Some of uh, our customers have had access to it for a little while. Uh, and this is a cool product. It's out there. It's for you to use. It's it's still in beta. It's uh, free. So it's going to grow. It's free. It's free. It's free. free. But <laughs> free, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, marketing. Hey, we are a company. <laughs> We're open source. Here's what I want you like. Let's just cut straight to the chase. How? Why is it free? What are you? What are you doing? Here's what's yeah. happening. Uh, let's just do it. I'm gonna. Yes. I did a couple of these this morning. I'm gonna go to GitHub. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna grab the the one that actually has been the most popular lately. The Redis because it's old. Uh, I have this project that's old. Uh, it hasn't been touched since December third, and. I want to know, like, hey, where is it at? Is it healthy? Is it doing all right? Like, what does my path forward look like with this repository? So I'm going to copy that URL. I think I have it uh, locally, and I think we can do this. Yeah, as you can see my screen, I'm going to go to fun, Deshaun, and it should be here. Redis. And for those of you listening to this on the replay, we will sure get this into the... Uh, the show notes on where you can find this because again, this is out there. This is public now. You can go ahead and grab this. My public repos. Whoops, I did the hide. There we go. Uh, so here I'm in a project, and I want to use this Spring Health Assessment Report. So I'm going to get started. I want to report really click quick. On getting started. Can you can you go back one screen? I just want to share yeah. with our with our podcast listeners oh, here. Oh, just um, a couple of those bullets that were on that page because I think they're important. Okay. Um, Hello. There we are. Oh, we ran into this this morning. You know, we start sharing uh, it out, and I did this. Yeah, this is my fault. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. It's not your fault. We're gonna do this. We're we're gonna uh, cross our fingers, and we're gonna hope. Uh, we ran into this earlier today, where it was having a little bit of health issues, a little oh, bit of no. uh, stuff. We've uh, told too many people about that. There we go. Uh, right. But it's brand new. It just came out today, so of course the masses are are hitting this, and yeah, like this is. Expected, right? If right. OpenAI can go from zero to 100 million users in four <laughs> months, then this surely can go from zero to a million users in a day. I think so, yeah. A, so, a product uh, with this much value, for sure. Yeah, I just wanted to point out what was on this homepage. So it says, our Spring Health Assessment Reports help you understand the health of your spring dependencies. This generated report will show you whether you have critical security vulnerabilities. And I know everybody cares about that, but... Not all the time do you want to like go set up that pipeline. Like maybe you don't have a pipeline in place to check security vulnerabilities. So that's one thing it does. It also tells you how much effort is required to upgrade 
all of them to the latest version, which we have been talking a lot about lately, right? Like, how do we get from 2.7 to 3.0? Yeah, if you know me, uh, especially over the last year, year and a half, this has been kind of the, the core. So of anybody, I can safely say that I am the most excited person about this release in the entire world. I am very, very excited about this because it's going to help me tell the story. It's going to help you tell the story. That's one of the feedbacks I got earlier is this is a tool. Like if you're a person that's maybe behind and you're on Java 8 and you're looking for some help in explaining the story and the value of upgrading, this is the tool for you. Cool. And then finally, one more thing. Uh, How long are your Spring libraries covered by open source support? So there's OSS support and there's commercial support. Now, one thing you could do is just open up your project and look for a version number and then go over to spring.io, find the project, look under the support, figure out where you fit. Or you can just run this report and it'll tell you right there, hey, this is how much longer you have as far as OSS support goes. This is when commercial support will end for it as well. So all of these things wrapped up into one great little tool. And one of the, so I, again, I've already had some feedback on this. And earlier today, we talked about like, yeah, I've already got tool A, B, C, and D. And they're yeah. already doing my scanning and telling me things. This is different. This is different. This is what your tools are not telling you. Your tools are probably not telling you how much time you have uh, in your open source support window. That's a mm-hmm. that's the big one. The other mm-hmm. thing your tools aren't doing, and here's where the you know behind the screen transparency part comes in. The team, the Spring team, would like to know what things look like from your end. Yep. Your dependencies when we, for a Palm, for example, or a Gradle, for example, the order that you put your dependencies in actually changes the way that your dependencies are getting pulled in. So like, think about this. When we talk about that Spring uh, parent palm, the Spring Boot parent palm, and all the dependencies being evaluated against each other, one of the things that they're doing is making sure it doesn't matter which order you put those dependencies in. These dependencies are all going to work together and they are going to be compatible with each other. Yep. And I... Oh, go say Sorry. Yeah. The Spring team... Right, we can glean a bunch of information from mm-hmm. store.spring.io, but we can't get it all. We can't mm-hmm. see how you're using things and what things you're putting together after you do store.spring.io, after you build your project on your way to production. We can't tell where you are, and and we don't get any follow up information once you've done that. So, yep. go ahead. And and I think this is so what we talked about. This just getting released today. This is the first iteration of that. Being yeah. that one tool to do all of those things, what other things would you like to see in this tool? We would like that feedback, and that's why we're trying to get this out there so that we can hear from you. We trust you. We love this community, and we would love for you. Like anything that comes into mind, throw in the chat. We would love that feedback because right, somebody else might like it. So yep. feedback is welcome. Please throw it in the chat what you think so far. And let us know, at any point, safe place. So we're going to get started. Cool. I'm clicking the button. I have instructions up here that tells me uh, whether I'm on Maven, uh, on Linux, or Mac. Uh, if I'm on Maven, i got to do the Maven CMD. So these are some options. You may not have the Maven wrapper included. That's okay. But you've got some options that explain how to do this. Uh, I'm doing my project with Maven, so I'm just going to copy this. And here's the cool thing is when I run this command, uh, I'm going to bump this up a little bit so we can all see. Uh, I'm going to cancel that. I'm going to go clear and and I'm going to paste this. This command is saying, hey, Maven, just run the dependency tree and then 
grip. I only want the things that are org spring framework. That's the only thing that we're going to send. So I'm going to run this command and it's grabbing all my dependencies. It's doing the dependency tree. Remember the order matters. Yep. And then we're going to take a look at this dependency. And what I love about this, Deshaun, is that we are, this is a very uh, secure way of doing this. We are not asking people to upload all of their proprietary code to us and have us analyze that. All we care about is a dependency. So give us your Maven file. This spits out like a dependency tree. From that, we can determine a whole lot of things. And I think this was a very big um, kind of feature for me because like nobody's going to upload you know, jar files and all the proprietary code, uh, source code. So this is a really great way to do this, in my opinion. And it's just org spring framework. So like, what about others? Like, how come other tools can't do this? Here's the thing. This is going to spring to the stewards and champions of spring to the company that owns or that is paying uh, the salaries of the spring engineers when we say spring engineers, right? This data is going to them. So they get to see the order that my repository is using these dependencies. Uh, mm -hmm. Did that dependency get pulled in with actuator or with uh, Spring Data Commons? Yeah. So it's just the Spring libraries. Now here's another thing, is some of your dependencies are gonna be in the org Spring framework, but they're not going to be uh, supported by the Spring team here. They might be like, the one that comes to mind is uh, Spring Cloud AWS, the AWS integrations. Those are actually maintained, they're still in the org Spring framework, uh, umbrella, that group, but they're maintained outside of this organization. And that is clearly uh, stated in the documentation. So I'm going to, I have my spring dependencies file. I'm going to go and grab that. Uh, we're going to go into my repository. Please hold. It was the reddest data ingestion. Let me spell. And then there's that. That's there it file. is. I'm going to send that file along with my information, Deshaun Carter, Spring, De Spring Developer Advocate. I work at Broadcom. And my business email is Deshaun.Carter at Broadcom.com. I live in the United States and I live in Missouri, right down the street from Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> it, is, uh, it is playoff time. We might it's see you guys time. at some point. Like, hey, we, we won yesterday. <laughs> Uh, and we didn't even Patrick Mahomes. He was there. He was he was <laughs> cheering everybody on. But yeah, yeah, we're taking care of business with our backups. All right, here we go. Uh, generated report and look at that. That was fast. Yeah. Again, it's just looking at the Spring Framework dependencies, so it doesn't have to do a whole lot of work. One of the things I'm going to scroll all the way down to the bottom, and I'm going to get this out of the way. Please read this carefully. The report provides an assessment of Spring libraries using your project details. Report or support status, vulnerabilities, migration efforts. It's essential to understand the scope. Like this isn't a oh, solution for everything. Yeah. This isn't, right? Our database is going to be updated every three hours. If a new vuln comes, that, that database, that process is going to be updated every three hours. So yep. the report that I run right now might look different in three hours. Yep. But again, I, I think, you know, large enterprises probably have some kind Something of pool else. in place already. But like... Me as just a developer, and I have this like side project. Let me get started with that right now. I can just yep. do this right now. So. Here's another angle. We're talking about developer advocacy today, and one of those feedbacks is this 
is a tool for that developer that doesn't have access, right? Tell me if this sounds familiar. Yeah, you do a git commit and there's some wall there and somebody else says, hey, there's a CVE in this library that you're using, yeah. uh, but you don't have any access to that report. Somebody just sends you an email and opens up a ticket, but you don't have right. any other information right. on it. Does that sound familiar to anybody? It, it, mm -hmm. it brings up bad memories for me. Yep. But this idea that I can run this report, I can get a sense of what's going on before I hit git commit, before, before I throw I it over the wall. Yep. But also for that person that might be saying, hey guys, we're still running Java 7 and maybe <laughs> our update path is easier than you thought. But here's some other things to consider. This is a report that might help that person, that developer advocate inside of your org uh, move forward. Yeah, because there's a lot of times we talk about like we want to upgrade our system or we want to do this. But when we talk to like the people, the stakeholders uh, of that upgrade process, they don't want to just see an email from you. But I, I like this report. Like I can go give this report to my architect or to my manager and say, look at these vulnerabilities. Look how easy it is yeah. to upgrade and get some performance benefits out of the way. So, so also the scope. Vulnerabilities introduced by transitive dependencies do not consider overridden versions, right? So if you've got overridden versions of something that's already been uh, fixed, like it's not going to take that into consideration. So you got some words. This isn't a, a one-stop shop. And yeah, uh, you do not always require a full upgrade to mitigate the vulnerabilities. So you have these paths. You can alternatively overwrite a dependency, right? For that, uh, that third-party dependency, you can just bring it in and pull in the version. Projects with NA dates include projects that are run by community. Like I said, the Spring Cloud AWS is the one that comes to mind, and I don't know if that's going to be in here or not. Uh, but this is still in beta, which means it, it may have issues uh, like we've already seen. Bear with us, but we want your feedback. We want your feedback. Cool. So let me see what it does. Let me see some of this report. Right, real so quick. let's go to the very, very top. So look at this. Luckily, everything that I'm using, all the org Spring Framework stuff in this project, is still in OSS support. Yay, cool. like that makes That's me good. feel good about taking it to production. Yeah, There are some vulnerabilities here. I've got moderate and high, nothing Ooh. critical. So yeah, that makes me feel good. a little bit better. But because yep. it's in OSS support, I this is, this is my take, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what I should feel. I should feel like because my stuff is all supported that these vulnerabilities they're, they're on the radar. They are going to be fixed. That's what this is telling me. And because I'm on the latest and greatest, <laughs> I don't have any issue upgrading. I'm going to have an easy path going forward. Right? Where cool. was this two years ago? Like, <laughs> we hear you. And, and now here it is. Right? Sometimes the, the Spring Engineering team is smaller than you might think. They, but they are the little engine that could. I think of them as a tugboat that is... Pulling your enterprise. This, this is my, my Glenn Renfro put this into my head. Spring, that little tugboat of spring is pulling your enterprise forward. And this is just another way that they're doing it. So there's a question. Is there a plugin that I can integrate with my app and generate this spring assessment report? That is the exact kind of feedback that we want. This just came yep. out today. And you know, initially, uh, the first time or last time that Dan and I were talking about this, we thought maybe it'd be cool to have like a GitHub action that automatically yeah. goes and generates this. Maybe another one, the one that came up this morning is, I feel like I should have this in Spring CLI. That yeah. I should be able to set up my defaults and just be able to run CLI char. Mm -hmm. Right, just a great idea. But having a plugin in my IDE, that sounds like another great option. Yeah. We are just getting started, and this is the, the, the yeah, first path. So 
Yeah, these are things. That's the kind of feedback that we would love to hear. Yep. And I love that you're sharing. Just whatever comes under mind, yeah, let it out there because, yeah, safe place. So here's the three kind of pillars. Support, vulnerabilities, and the upgrade effort. Right? Not all projects are going to look like this, but here's one. So we've got another report on our findings and recommendations, our OSS support status. It gives me also a calendar of when my OSS support is going to change. That's also super nice, right? If I did have an issue, and this is another thing that came up as a, a feedback item, as I continue to scroll down and I see my vulnerabilities and I see my upgrade effort, one of the things, each library that's in here is going to have its own report. And one of the things that, one of the feedback earlier was like, how would you like this organized? Because I think right now it's organized by name. How would you like this organized? And one of the feedbacks was, I kind of want to see what's going to be out of OSS support at the top. Mm. What are the things that I need to be most concerned with at the top? So let me know what you think about that. But right mm. now, I think it's it's alphabetical, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so I scroll down. I get these reports that just says, hey, there's no vulnerabilities, and you're still under support. Fantastic for you. Uh, but I'm going to keep on going. Now I've got a plus sign here. Again, this is just a PDF. I can click on that plus sign, and I can see, hey, Spring Boot Starter Logging 3.2.0, there is a vulnerability here. And here's a link to that vuln, to the NIST data source. Here's a link to that vuln. But guess what? It's supported. So expect that that's being worked on and there's going to be something coming on calendar.spring.io real soon. Nice. Right? So this is how you connect the dots. This is how you tell the story, if, if that's what you're trying to do. And I'm going to just continue because I think there's one more... Here we go. This is one that I've already seen. So I was, I was yep. aware that it's going to be there. Spring Data Commons 3.2.0. It's moderate. It's got two CVEs here. One of them's low. One of them's moderate. One of them's been open as been open for a long time since 2020. One of them's a little bit more recent, moderate. But this is the kind of report. And again, most companies are getting this data someplace else. Yep. But we're just giving you another option in case you wanted to advocate for upgrading. In case you wanted to advocate for having support for the stuff that you're building your company on top of, remember that mm -hmm. little tugboat that's pulling your company forward? And this is what the Spring Health Assessment Report looks like. And I want you to take it for a spin. And I'm going to show you the next step. This is what I'm doing. Uh, I'm going to do that right now. So I'm going to, I'm going to download this report. And this is, I have friends, some of you did this. Jonas, I know, did it earlier. Uh, I'm going to print and I'm going to save this PDF. And I'm going to save it to my downloads directory. Because I want this report. And you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to go here. I'm going to move that into my repository. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to add. Mm, I'm not going to do that one. I'm going to get add the spring health assessment report and the spring dependencies. Whoops. And I'm going to commit those into my repository and push it up so that if you come to my public repository, you've got an assessment here that shows like, hey, here's where this project is at. And you'll see when the last time it was ran, you'll be able to glean some information. But you could also go and run this for your favorite repositories. You could mm -hmm. go run this against the projects that you're using that might have spring under the hood. Yeah, comment. It would be cool to have some sort of Maven plugin so that we can run this from the command line. Yes. Again, that's why we're talking about that's it today. We want to get the feedback. So yeah, or Gradle, right? Right. Yep. This, right now we've got instructions for Maven or Gradle. It's going to work with the output from both. 
but that's what I've done. So now if you go back to this repository, uh, you'll see that I've, I've committed those changes. And, you know, in my head, uh, that'd be a nice little badge. Like last time the, yep. the Shar was, you know, ran and here's a link to the Shar report. There's a lot of things that we could think about here, especially for the open source projects, right? Yep. Spring is open source for those of you that didn't know that yet. I'm, another thing I was really proud of last week, uh, people from the community going in and creating PRs against Spring and how easy it actually is. So uh, shout out to Harpreet, shout out to Jonas uh, that are doing this, right? It's easy. When you find an issue, fix an issue if you can. <laughs> and if even if it's not documented, raise it. Creating issues is also contributing. Make it happen. Cool. So that's so, the Spring Health Assessment Report. That's is the that Spring it? Health Assessment Report. Where can people find that? Just one more here's, time for everybody on our podcast. Tronzu.vmware.com slash spring dash health dash assessment. All right, cool. So yeah, check that out. Uh, we'd love to get some feedback from you on that. And Deshaun and I will be continuing to monitor that when we get some updates on that. We will be sure to share it with you guys. So. One of the other things is like, hey, if you're doing this, uh, it doesn't let you do your at Gmail, right? There's, there's a purpose here. We want to kind of like, know where we can get some information. And if you're saying this and we see something, don't don't be afraid. You know, expect that somebody's gonna call and be like, hey, we see you've got a problem here and we know how to get you fixed. Like <laughs> just just throwing that out there. Yeah. The spring team is wants that information. You're helping out no matter what. And yeah, if somebody calls you, you you're warned, right? You're giving them your your email. <laughs> you can't do it with the Gmail. So I just want to be full transparency here. So this is it. This is your chance to go take it for a spin. I would love the feedback, whether it's here or offline. You know how to get a hold of us. Thank you so much. This cool. is one way of being a spring developer advocate. What a great transition that is, uh, Deshaun, because uh, that is kind of our main topic for the show today. I, want to talk, I wanted to talk about this because it's fresh of mine. I'm giving a talk on this later this week on developer advocacy, and I know we get questions all the time, like, what do you guys actually do? What is this developer advocacy thing? What does it entail? I haven't heard of this. Is this a career path for me? So there are some things I wanted to cover today. Um, and I really wanted to start with, what is developer advocacy? Um, how do you define DevRel? And you know, putting this presentation together, I, I already knew this going in, but putting this presentation together, I realized that if you were to go to 10 different developer advocates in 10 different companies, and ask them this question, like, what is your definition of DevRel? You'd probably get eight to 10 different answers, right? Because DevRel means something very different to different companies, may mean something different to different organizations within that same company. Um, so I, I know I have a couple different definitions, but I'd like to hear your thoughts. What do you think well, of we already said, DevRel? We've said Dev Advocacy and we said DevRel, right? There's a mm -hmm. bunch of different terms and they're, they're kind of all fuzzy Venn diagram that overlap. But when I think DevRel inside of your org, I honestly think of engineering managers. I think of the people like Tasha Frust that are making sure our developers are happy and they're moving forward, making sure they feel supported. That's what I think of when I think of DevRel like inside of an org. Mm -hmm. But when I think of developer advocacy, I think about yep. the people that are raising awareness for the cool new projects. I think to uh, my friend Bobby who introduced me to Elastic by just doing a 
20 minute presentation, uh, you know, in inside of the org and going through like, Hey, here's all the cool things. Here's what it does better than what we've been doing today. We just raising awareness. And when I think of that, yeah, it's those kinds of things, those things. Oh, Hey, did you guys know that this spring health assessment report is available? Yeah. Look at all the cool information that I'm, I'm showing. There's a question here that says like, Hey, this feature is built into IntelliJ. It's slightly different. Right, you can't take what you get from IntelliJ and present it to your manager when you're trying to make a case for migrating from Java 8 to Java 21. It also gives you that kind of support window, but it, you're also, by using the Spring Health Assessment Report, you're also giving that information back to the Spring team. You're not doing that when you're just relying on what's in your IntelliJ plugin. So I don't want you to forget that fact that you're also, you're giving the Spring team information about what you're using and where they should be focusing for the next release. Spring Boot 3.3 is right around the corner, right? They are already planning that. There's gonna be a new Spring Boot release every six months. There's gonna be a new Spring Framework release every year. Java 22 is right around the corner. So software is always moving forward and we need to hear where yep. you're at and we have to understand what you're using in order to, to do the best roadmap. Yep. So for me, when, when people ask me, what, what do I do? At least in this role, when I think of DevRel or being a dev advocate, um, I, I think of three things and it's really kind of the intersection of education through community and company. I'm constantly going out and trying to educate uh, the community, being involved in the community, taking that feedback back to the company that I work for, in this case, Broadcom, um, and the Spring team, and saying, hey, here's, you know, I gave a, we gave a talk on Spring for GraphQL. Here's some of the concerns that I heard or questions that came up that people are really, like, these are the problems people are facing in the community with this particular project. And being able to work with the Spring team and, and get answers to those questions, and maybe if it's a, a feature request, get those features implemented. So for me, education through both the community and back to the company. So um, yeah, that's Devrel. I, you know, Deshaun, you and I were talking about this last week um, when we were, yeah, Deshaun helped me kind of look over my presentation for this week. And one of the things we talked about is, you know, being a developer advocate is not necessarily, uh, it doesn't need to be a career choice, right? Uh, I think, you know, Deshaun and I have both been advocates for different things in the community different projects long before we were getting paid for to do any of this, right? Like I was an advocate for Java. I was an advocate for Spring before I had any intention of like doing this full time. Uh, and I know you, you've kind of been the same way, Deshaun. Yeah, the thing is, the, the statement that you said to me, I was making content way before I ever considered being an advocate, but I wasn't making content. Yeah in order to go down this journey. I was making right. content because that's a great way for me to learn and a great way for me to contribute back to the community, to the community. That, is, yeah. commun that has helped us so much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, can, and I think like some of the, some of the, I have absolutely all of the biggest wins in my career have come from being involved in the community, writing a blog post, speaking at a meetup, speaking at a conference, um, doing a live stream, whatever it may be, Opening Everything, an opening an PR. issue, writing documentation, all of those things are, I mean, they're, they're mostly selfless acts, right? Like, yes, I know that like writing a blog post, 
I have to like learn it. I have to learn that particular subject a lot, like really well. I don't just need to know it at a surface. I need to know it inside out to write that particular article. So yes, from that standpoint, I'm gaining something from it. But I don't need to go write this and, and put, it, put it out in the public. I'm doing that because I really enjoy being a part of the community. And the community always gives back to you. And, and with Spring, I mean, you're using an open source project every day, right? So yeah. if you want to like be excited about that project and share this one thing, even if it's in a tweet, that is being involved in the community. That's being an advocate and you're not being paid for that. Yeah. So one of the things that I lean into uh, you know, I talk about, I think about Bobby, uh, one of the things I lean into is one of the best ways for me to learn something is to mm -hmm. teach it. Yep. So along my career, one of those things I like to like have my head wrapped around something well enough that I could teach it before I mm -hmm. take it to production. Yeah. So if I, if there's a new, uh, what's a, what's a new technology that's uh, spring uh, AI. Uh, yeah. Spring AI. Before I take spring AI to production, I want to get my head wrapped around it well enough that I can teach it to you. Yep. Yeah, another a great example of that is virtual threads. There is a single property in your Spring application properties that you can switch on that will turn on virtual threads. Your app is now using virtual threads. That doesn't mean I can go talk to people about it now. I just know that it's turned on. I want to really understand, like, what did I just do there? What is the problem that I'm trying to solve? Because now when people ask me like, oh, what is this virtual threads thing in Spring? Like, I can explain the problem and why it's there and what it does and how it works. And, and I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't fully dive in and understand that. Um, you know, speaking of virtual threads, there's a question. And this is the kind of thing that a developer advocate does. Whether it's out in public, on stage, or in your organization, Anbu asks, how does data source connection pool behave when virtual threads are enabled equals true in a Spring Boot application? Like, is there some magic that's happening? Do I automatically get the benefits of virtual threads for all of my connection pooling libraries that are out there? No, we don't. So your, diff your use cases have to be ready to accept and use that virtual threading. So if you're using connection pool that you've been using for 10 years, that's been wrapped around your database connections, if you're using that same thing, you're not gonna get any of the benefit. There will be some benefit around that when it realizes like, hey, I'm on a, a thread and that's blocking. There will be some benefit if you have that enabled, but it's not gonna be where you want it to be around your mm -hmm. connection pooling. It'll be yeah. extreme. Yeah, the main thing that happens is in, in on the service side, when a, when a, when a request comes in, traditionally, you're tied to a platform thread. And when you're doing something blocking that, like talking to a database, that particular thread is the one that is being blocked until that request has been fulfilled. So that is the kind of part where we're um, really kind of saving on resources. And those are, like database pool, database connection pools, those, th a little bit more. The, the platform threads that we're using to, to handle that request, those are finite resources, and that's what we're really trying to, to kind of solve there. And I've been hearing some great stories from the community on virtual threads and what they're doing with it. And like I keep telling everybody, like Java 21, Spring Boot 3.2, I'm excited about that. that I'm going to be talking about that all year. So. Fantastic. And another one just kind of like follow on, like, do we really keep DB process inside a Spring Boot app? It's huge startup time. Can't we abstract it out? Well, huge startup time. I think this is another part of the awareness. 
right? There's a lot of things happening. The Java ecosystem continues to move forward uh, and startup time, not really, con not really a concern anymore. Now that we're on Spring Boot 3 and we're on Java 21 and we have virtual threads, there is so much happening in the Java ecosystem. It's hard to let everybody know, but startup time is not the issue anymore. Startup time, whether you have your database connections uh, ready to start up or they're already connected and you're using something like Project Crack where your connections are already there, you can stop, uh, take a snapshot and then start up from that snapshot, from that checkpoint, you can go forward. So startup is not an issue. And we'd love to circle back on that at some point in the future. But yeah, that's not an issue anymore. So yeah, keep them coming. Great conversations happening. Uh, any other questions? No. All right. So like continuing the topic of developer advocacy, um, one of the things that, that comes up too, we talked about like being able to ask people, what, is, what does a developer advocate do? Um, it really depends on the organization. Like where does DevRel fit? Because it fits into different parts of the company in different organizations, right? Um, you know, sometimes you'll see this in engineering or an extension of engineering. Sometimes you'll see it in marketing. And it really depends on what that company is doing. Let's say I'm a, we're a brand new startup company and we have this new product out. And we really want people to find out about it. One second. Um, our biggest thing would be awareness. So that is our main focus of going out and talking to people is just to make us aware of those things. Right. I've been talking about the upgrade process and how easy it can be to upgrade for well over a year. I've been talking about native images and fast startup times for well over a year. So, uh, Killer AJ, this is a thing. We understand that the startup time, milliseconds matter, and you can start up Spring Boot processes with AOT processing native images. You can start those up in milliseconds. In fact, my, my son, uh, has a demo, he'd be happy to show you on having his Spring Boot app that used to run on Java 8 and older versions of Spring Boot, upgrading to Java 21, using Spring Boot 3.x, using AOT processing, those processes, those jobs can now start up in milliseconds. Mil not seconds, milliseconds, and have everything you need. And yeah, with Crack, if you have a process using the JVM, getting all the benefits of the JVM, that process can start up, it can connect to its databases and we can take a snapshot. So it's all warmed up, it's all ready to go. We can take a snapshot of that process, write that to our platform, however that may be. And then at some later time, when we're doing these serverless processes, we start up from that snapshot. It knows where to go get its credentials. It knows how to connect to those data stores. This is where we are. I would love to circle back on that. There's a lot of really cool things happening and I want you to come back. I want you to take a look at some of the old shows that we've done. This is cap This is possible, right? So everything that you thought you knew about Java and Spring Boot and it takes too long, like it's 2024 and those are old conversations from people that don't know any better or it's just, you just didn't have the awareness. So I'm happy to show you and yeah, we can take it to production. Like it is, it's been around for that long. We started having these conversations with the AOT processing way back in 2022. So. Uh, the question is, I did native app image, but did not understand why we need DB processors inside an app process. We will take that one offline. Like most apps need data. Java itself is moving towards a more data oriented language, giving us that flexibility to do more data oriented things. So yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna circle back and you're gonna hear a lot more about that here in 2024, especially if you're gonna stay here. We'd love to see more of you.
Got it. I'm following along. Here we go. Cool. So, um, yeah, I think just coming back to what we were talking about with DevRel is I think it's important to note that um, you can be a developer advocate for a community. Just go out and talk about the things that you're passionate about, the things that you're using. You can also be a developer advocate within your own organization. You don't need permission to do this. Uh, if, you're, uh, if, you're just, if you're an engineer on a team working on something, go be an advocate for it. You're probably passionate about it. Go write an article about it. Go talk a, do a Twitter thread on it. Talk to other people about it. In this, you will find that you probably learned some things about how others are using that product or project. And you'll also be able to get a little more insight into what's happening with that project that, because you probably use it a very specific way. Um, I know that that's one of the best things that, that I found out about talking and building projects for other, like building projects uh, in public and talking with other developers. It's like, oh, I didn't think about that use case. That's a pretty cool use case. Let me go ahead and try that. Um, so you don't need permission to be an advocate within your company. Now, you may not be getting paid to do so, but if that's something that you aspire to, that would certainly kickstart that transition, right? Like if you want to start do, being an advocate in your company, this is something that you could be down the line. Now, I, again, I'm not saying that, that this is something you need to go do, but from an awareness standpoint, making people aware that this is a profession that you can get into down the line if you want to. So um, just, just kind of bringing that up to, to, yeah. to make people aware of it. One of, the, one of the conversations I have a lot is like, hey, like, what do you do going forward? How do, you, uh, how do you plan your career path and your journey? Yeah. And one of the things that I kind of associate with this, with this conversation is in our, in our team, right? Our team of dev, dev advocates that work for Tasha, Everybody kind of has their strengths. There's a lot mm -hmm. of overlap, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that we can go and talk. Anybody goes deep, one or two on a level. But there's a lot of things like Spring for GraphQL. That's Dan's thing. Dan went and he advocated for it. He made, he took the time to learn it and learn it deeply so that he could know it enough to go and teach it. That's not in my skill set, right? Dan is also a T-shaped developer. That's one of the things that he goes deep on. And this, for Dan, this is a way to separate and to help the team grow. He found a spot. Hey, here's something that this team needs. We need a little bit more conversation around Spring for GraphQL. And he went deep on it. And then he advocated around it. And he taught. And he grew his expertise. Think about your organization. Mm -hmm. Think about the thing that gets you excited and the thing that maybe you already have expertise in. But maybe your team doesn't know that you've been using FreeBSD since 1993. <laughs> and you're running 40% of your workloads running on FreeBSD. Maybe your team doesn't know. Maybe it'd be a good idea to tell somebody, whether it's at lunch or after work or sending out an email or doing a blog post, maybe it's a good idea. Or maybe you're new to FreeBSD and you want to be that expert. Maybe your FreeBSD expert has left the building or left the team and you'd like to fill in that gap. What do you do? Go wrap your head around it. Or maybe it's Spring AI. It's new and you want to be out front. You want to follow it and you want to get deep on it. You don't need permission to continuously learn. This is just one way. So that, that brings us into an interesting conversation about what are the different things that you can do as, as being an advocate for something. 
Um, and this is one of the things uh, I'll talk about in my in my talk later this week. And hopefully, uh, hopefully, I get to do this a few more times this year. But one of the quotes that I have in my presentation is from Scott Hanselman, who's senior developer advocate for Microsoft. I'm sure everybody knows about Scott at this point. But his quote was, I'm a big fan of developer advocates doing the same thing stand-up comedians do. You work at a small bar, you do some open mics, you move your way up to the big rooms. That's often how it's done. And that's true. Like a really good path to this is just go to, okay. <laughs> just go to, uh, if you want to start somewhere, go to like a local meetup. There might be eight, 10, 12 people there. A Java user group, for example. A Java user group, for example. Um, that'd be a really great place. And I know we, you know, I help run the Cleveland Java user group. You don't have to come in and give an hour polished presentation. If you want to come in and present on something for 10 minutes and maybe you don't even have slides, maybe you just want to talk about it and show a little code you wrote. That's fine. That's a great place to start. You know, that will, that, that can transition into other things. That can be, hey, I want to um, go talk at a local conference now. Um, there'll be a lot of people I know there. My company will be there. That's a great place. Then you can move to bigger conferences or do a YouTube video or do a live stream. There are plenty of ways to kind of move up the chain on this. You don't need to just decide one day that you're going to go talk at a conference and stand in front of a thousand people because outside of like some really strange people, I don't know who does that. <laughs> right. And even just like we've already shown here, the more you talk about it and present it and get feedback, just like we've had feedback around Shar uh, and around how should you be thinking about DB processes and startup time and how to use Java, like just that kind of feedback. The more we talk about things, the more feedback we get, and we're lucky we get to do it all over the world, but even inside of your org, right? Uh, story from the past where I had, hey, there's one group that was doing things this way, another group was doing things another way, and yeah, they, they didn't talk about each other's patterns. Right. And we circle up around a lunch table and, hey, let's talk. And we share each other's patterns and recipes and what we're doing. We're advocating for each other. We're getting feedback on our opinions. Yep. Yeah. And the, the other like thing I hear from, from developers a lot is, well, I'm not an expert on this particular subject. And it's like, well, you don't need to be. In fact... Your introductory to this particular thing, like uh, if you just got started with Project X, that that personal experience may be what other people resonate with. And you have just done that. I, I may have been doing Java for 20 years, but your experience with it right now in the last six months is probably more relevant to a certain crowd than my experience with to it. To this audience, whatever that is, right? To right. this audience, it's probably more relevant. Right, right. So don't ever think that you need to be an expert, that you need to be polished. Uh, another quote I have in the slide deck from Scott Davis at ThoughtWorks is, when he goes up for a presentation, he says, I know my lines, and the audience doesn't. It's not a fair fight. Like, yep. nobody knows you're going to fumble. There's not a script out there that everybody's reading. This is your presentation. And unless you're, like, majorly fumbling around, nobody knows that you screwed up. You know how many times I've screwed up in a presentation that went, oh, God, I forgot to, like, talk about that thing. And so. all of this advice, uh, I, I'm glad that we're having this conversation at the beginning of the year because everybody sets goals and, and yep. it's just a great time to kind of level set. My son has a five minute demo that he does on how to upgrade Java with Spring. Nice. Using Open Rewrite. And he practices it. And he's, gotten, he's been able to go on the road with me and he's got his old jokes and all that kind of stuff. But it's a <laughs> five minute demo. It's the only the one. But the more he does it, the better he gets. Yep. 
Yep. One of the things that I want to put out into the world is I'm happy that I don't have to know everything. Mm. I'm looking for more advocates that I can learn from, more people. And I want you, everybody that's listening, everybody that's here live, everybody that's listening, I want you to think about how you could advocate, but I want you to think of it selfishly. Because right? the more that you learn whatever it is you're working on, whatever library that you might know better than the person sitting next to you, like tell a story about it. Do a blog post, do a little demo. If you want to do it live, like raise your hand. I'd be happy to help. But I want you to think about how you could be a developer advocate in the sense you go and learn something just to the point where you could teach it to the next person. Yeah. And I want to take that one step further. If you learn something and you want to advocate for it and you have written recently a blog post or done a video on it that Deshaun and I can take a look at, we would love to invite you on the show. You come on the show and talk to us about this thing that you've learned that's relevant in the Java and Spring ecosystem, and we'll have you on the show. And you, if you only want to come on for 10 minutes, that's fine too. Um, but, but again, this is our, you are an, we are an You're extension invited. of the community. You are the, consider this an invite. Yep, uh, Sid, I'm looking at you. Uh, thanks for being here. I don't think I recognize <laughs> the name from shows before. Thank you for being here. Thanks for all the great comments. But Sid, Sid put up here the MIT open courseware called How to Speak, Great Tips on Public great Speaking. Great Awesome. I'm, I'm assuming that you've already taken it and you've already given us great feedback. I would love to invite you to come on, on the show. Tell us, teach us about something new. Jonathan, right on there, time. Oh, oh, go ahead. Teaching others, teaching other people and doing talks is definitely, it counts as OSS contribution. For sure. Yep, yep. Um, there's also a program called Toastmasters here in the United States. If you're in the U.S., you can find a local Toastmasters to to kind of get uh, better at public speaking. And I and I do think, like I mentioned this in the talk, public speaking is like the big roadblock that people see when it comes to being an advocate, right? But again, you're not jumping into this and like talking to a thousand people. The, the there are steps to take. Go to a local meetup. Do a do a video. Do a live stream. These things get you more comfortable with it. The more that you do it, the, the easier it gets. And I'm, I'm always grateful that nobody comes to a presentation of mine or a stream looking to, to laugh out loud or to be entertained because <laughs> yeah. that's not what I do. I'm just working through issues or trying right. to show a new path to some solution. So you don't feel like you have to be an entertainer in order to advocate for your team or for the community. Yeah. Yeah, and I think um, you know another. We we talked about this as a like a, a career option, right? And I think I just wish I would have known this. And I, the reason I'm kind of speaking out on this is because I want people to be aware of this as a career option. Um, and just a note, Sid, saying, "Hey, Toastmasters is international for you and for your oh, your talk." Oh, I did not week. know that. It's international. Okay, cool. There's 20 clubs in London. Thank you, Sid. Again, it's this kind of stuff. We're having a conversation. We both have kids, uh, so you're you're <laughs> oh, if you're regular here, you're gonna see the kids coming in and out. Uh, and yeah, today Dan's child is just wants to be a star. Just wants to be on camera. Yeah, yeah. She, that's right. she she loves the spotlight. Yeah. Cool. Um, anything else uh, that I wanted to? I mean, there there's a lot I want to cover, but not that uh that that I think I have. Uh, we have some starred questions here. Uh, right. As you know, I'm looking at the time. Uh, you know, Charles says, "Hey, like, how long until I'm the Java champion? How long I get that? How you know, is that is that a title that I can go for? Just like developer advocate, just start. 
Uh, yeah. And I'm going to say it takes about 20 years to get it. Uh, that seems to be the average 20 years. So uh, yeah, I start now. I wouldn't put a number on it. I know um, <laughs> people have gotten there much quicker than I'm 23 years in now, was, but yeah, trying uh, to be you know, but yeah. yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It really, <laughs> you know, it is, it is all about being involved in, in the community. So, um, well, it really depends on what we say being involved in the community is, but I would say go ahead and check out, um, what is it? I should know this Java champion.org. I think it is. Let me look. Starting as a developer advocate is a great path. Advocating in your circle, in your community, that's a great start. So great question. And yeah. Another question. Is there any chance to add Olama as SQL Quarter 2 to Spring AI? Olama is to run AI on local machine, and SQL Quarter 2 is a model to transform human language to SQL Query to query your database tables. Yes, uh, there is a chance. You can do it. Right? Here's what I know about the Spring AI project. It is getting, it's so fast, it's moved so fast, there are more and more models being added to it every day. And one of the first things, you always had the ability to point towards your model, your model's API. So yes, the answer is yes. You, if, it's, if the things aren't there that you want, uh, I'm, I know I've heard enough about Olama. So yeah, the, the answer is just yes. It's just, it's so new and there's so much momentum around it. If it doesn't have an issue for it or a PR for it already, this is a great opportunity for you to start one. So I don't know the exact answer to it, but I will give a shout out to my friend Ken Cousins' newsletter. He just talked about this in his latest newsletter. So yes, you can. I know you can run that on your local machine and point to it. Um, I know Spring AI has a new release coming out, 0.8, with there are a bunch of changes there. So I don't know but I'm just plugging Ken's newsletter. Go read it because he talks about it. Uh, I'm a big fan of Ken's. Fantastic. Some feedback on Char. Idea for Char, maybe also as a GitHub action to run in a repo. Thank you for saying that, right? All of that feedback is welcome and all that feedback mm -hmm. is going to make its way back to the engineering team. So thank you. Yep. Um, and question. I have a few old legacy apps which still run on Spring 4. Will this tool help me identify the efforts required for an upgrade? Yes. That yep. upgrade uh, issue, here's the thing. It's going to tell you like how hard it is going to be to upgrade. This report, some of them are going to be harder, right? You're going to have some that are going to say, oh, 40% uh, effort. You're also going to have one that's going to say like a 10% effort or one that has a two. I want you to get through all the easy stuff as fast as possible. So if you run this report across your whole portfolio, you're going to get a sense of where are the easy wins. Don't take the hardest one and do that one first. Just speaking from experience, I've been telling the story for a long time. I want you to be aware that there is a practice on how to do this going forward. And this is my advice to you. Do the easy ones first. Yeah. And I'll, I always go back with, <laughs> that's your new watch doing that. Um, <laughs> I always go back to, you can't just go to your manager and go, we should upgrade this app. But if I go to my manager and I have this report that says, Look at all these things out of support and all these security vulnerabilities and look at what our upgrade path is. That's a much easier sell than, yeah. hey, we should upgrade. Do, yeah, doing an upgrade, getting through an upgrade uh, as an output of one of these definitely helps tell your story. Shar yeah. uh, on GitHub, I get an automated report for my JS repos named GitHub Security Alert. Your dependent bot alerts for the week of, yeah, maybe yep. opt-in for Shar Spring. Like this is great feedback. Thank you so much. Yep, love it. 
Uh, we talked about serverless startup, execution time, milliseconds matter. Yes, thank you. That was a great conversation. Another question on crack. Yes, having that kind of stuff. DB processing that spring. We can definitely get into that and there's ways all around the that. other yep. cool things. Yeah. But understanding. Hooks. Yes, I, I heard Sid and uh, yeah, DB process inside of the Spring app. Now we're gonna connect and use those data sources. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Absolutely. And then the last thing here. Hello, I have heard that HTTP exchange, Git Exchange, Post Exchange, et cetera, are going to yeah. be used as Git mapping in controllers. Mm-hmm. What is the purpose of this? HTTP exchange this- is just a declarative client, isn't it? It is if you want it to be a de- declarative client, but it can be used on the server as well. We did an episode with uh, Ross and Anoga on this, and she was talking about this. It's a, it was a brand new feature at the time. I haven't had a chance to test drive this yet, so I don't know exactly how this works, but it is on my list, and I'm excited to kind of give that a, a drive. So if you want to learn more about it, check out the Spring documentation. This is new. If you go give a, a, a new Spring Boot app a, a test run, you'll be able to use this now. And yeah, I'd love to, again, I'm just like you. I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. I want to see what that is. So I'll see if I can't get some uh, get a tutorial out on that soon. I, I need to get better at this do not disturb thing. Oh my goodness. Because I'm pretty sure that you guys all heard the, the phone ringing. I'm like, what? Yeah. Sorry about that. So you're a new watch user. I will tell you this. If you go on your phone and you do like the do not disturb for like yep. one hour or whatever, it will not, it, it kind of translates down to your watch. So those Fantastic. two will sync together. Fantastic. That's what I needed. Cool. So these, this is great. Uh, there's a couple more incredible stuff. Thank you. Thank you everybody for being here. Uh, Doing cool stuff. Yes, this this char is going to work for your Spring apps too, uh, for your Spring stuff. Like if you're using Ooh, swing. swing and Spring, yeah, it's going to work. Uh, I learned maybe Swing topic, in school. <laughs> but with GraphQL, can you have it return data besides JSON? I would like to have the option to provide a HTML template response so I can use it with HTMX. Uh, so no, I wouldn't do that. Why? Why would you? I don't know why you would want to return. Uh, so the biggest thing with, so so take a traditional REST API, right? Like you ask the REST API for some data. That REST API is bringing back a lot of data. The whole point of GraphQL there is like, let's minimize the trips that we make to the server. Let's get just the data we need. If you kind of bloat that response with all of this data that you're trying to return back to the client, that's a performance issue. So I would return just the data you need and then build your HTML with HTMX uh, on the client. Um, good, but you are not prevented from using Spring for GraphQL with HTMX, and our friend Thomas here uh, will be happy uh, to help, and we'll point to those repos in the uh, show notes. I have We have Java 8-based microservices. Should we go to Java 7 or 11 or directly to Java 17? And here's 21. the thing. Yeah, go to 21. 21 is 21 is already middle age. 22 is going to be out in March. The biggest leap for you is going to be with 17. So skip 11. Go from 8 to 17. Once you get to 17, you'll have all the package changes. And most likely, your code is still going to work. Your IDE is going to work. There's tons of recipes that will help you get from using Java 8 to Java 17 for anything that's changed. So start... Do Java first and go to 17. But once you've gotten to 17, go to 21 or 22. Yep. But upgrade your Java first. Again, just speaking from experience. Upgrading your Java first, you're going to get a bunch of benefits. Then tackle 
the spring stuff. Especially if these uh, if these microservices are are doing blocking operations and they're written in MVC, it's just it's a no brainer. Move to twenty one. Yeah, he's saying pick latest LTS. The, so like twenty one isn't an LTS release. It's got LTS features, but you know, uh, you know, it's arguable. And I've heard Josh say it. Java twenty one is the most important, biggest release that we have ever had of Java. It's the biggest step forward for Java as a language. And I'm more and more agree with that statement. And I'm going to be repeating it. Sorry. So yeah, let's go. Like, and again, Java twenty one is middle age. It's been out since September. Java 22 is right around the corner. And if you have the ability, if all of your other things are upgraded, you've got no CVE reports and nothing else is wrong. Like take Java 22 for a spin. Do the early release or take milestone releases of those spring projects that you are that you love and care about that are running in production. Take the early releases and give feedback just like you guys did for us today. Mm. Giving that early feedback is so beneficial and not a lot of people are in the position to give early feedback. So thank you for being here. Yep. Thank you for being developer advocates in whatever community you are. You don't, it doesn't, you don't have to be on stage. You, you can do it in your startup. Uh, or if your startup doesn't have engineers, you can go and talk uh, at the, uh, the lunchroom, right? The commons, the, the food court. And you can set up your laptop and you can tell people about whatever's going on. I used to do lunch and learns all the time. I forgot to mention that it is in one of my sites. It's a great way to get in front. And what I love about lunch and learns, especially like in your company, there's not a lot of pressure because these are all people you probably already know. You may not know them all well, but you know most of the people that are going to be attending that. So uh, it's a safe space, as we say, to, to go ahead and talk about something. And it's not just give, give, give. Like, be selfish about it. The more you advocate and the more you go deep on these, you're helping yourself. Your future you is going to help you. If you think about advocating just a little bit going forward, I, I want to just put that in your brain. Be selfish yeah. about it. Like teach and learn and grow and take yourself, set yourself on the path that you want to be on. If you want to go down this AI path, dig into Spring AI. Teach your friends about it. Tell your friends about it because you're going to learn about it and you're going to become a little local expert and that's going to help you on your journey if you enjoy it. Every great thing that has happened in my career has not come from a line of code that I've written. It's come from sharing what I've done and being involved in the community. And I know that's not the path for everyone. I'm just saying that's my personal experience. And if that is something you're interested in, uh, only good things can come from it. Absolutely. This was fun. Uh, as always, thank you, everybody, for being here. Uh, Jonathan, thanks. You know, Sometimes we are lucky and we get the spring engineering team shows up. Uh, but again, thanks to everybody. Thanks for the great conversations. Thanks for the great questions. Thanks for giving us feedback on the spring health assessment report. I hope yep. that you take it for a spin and let us know how it works or if you've got more uh, ideas. Love it. I appreciate you guys. All right. Thank you. If you want to find out what's next, uh, head over to springofficehours.io. We will get some more shows scheduled. We have a lot of great ideas for uh, some upcoming shows. And wow, we're just getting started with season three. This was episode two. We, will, we look forward to a great season here on Spring Office Hours. And we really, really appreciate you joining us. So with that, uh, have a good one and we will see you on the next show. Thanks.